Hello, hello. Welcome to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. I'm your host, AC. Here is where we discuss all things faith and family. I share real life stories of home life as a wife, mother of five, home educator, and all the learning curves my family and I are journeying through. As you can imagine, we're in a busy season and I have a lot to share. The goal, getting back to the basics of raising strong families. Let's talk about it. Hello, hello. This is episode 12 entitled God's Economy. I am so excited about this episode, not only because I'm a finance major, I care about economics as it pertains to uh, family finances, but also because God's economy is something I love teaching my children. It's something that we can't always quantify. God's provision for us works a little differently. Um, we're going to talk about that and more, but before we jump into that segment of the podcast, let's jump into some AC Pearls. AC Pearls, Matthew six twenty four to 30. I'm reading from the New King James Version. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what, we, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, or gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothe the, the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Last I checked, finances are the top two reasons people fight in relationships and why divorce is so prevalent in our society. Poor communication is the other. On the topic of finances, I understand how if there is a financial insecurity, couples are tempted to argue and point fingers. Conversations can get real petty when bills can't get paid. Checking accounts are overdrawn, credit cards are maxed out, and you have $5 to your name to buy groceries for the week. Add children, school supplies, uh, feeding bottomless stomachs. Mom, we need more toilet paper. Dad, we ran out of bread. I mean, when it comes to consumption in our house, I'm mostly fussing at the kids. Like, where did the toilet paper and the bread go? Mm, wait, now that I th <laughs> now that I think about it, the toilet paper and the bread went to the same place. <laughs> they just get flushed away. <laughs> All right, this is a great representation of the world's economy. It's futile. 
the needs are real, but constantly checking and monitoring the accounts. <laughs> Pineapple. And waiting for the next pay period is extremely discouraging. Here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. Matthew six thirty one to 34. Give it to God and listen for his instruction. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. AC Talk. As you've heard me say in previous episodes, I am in full-time ministry at home. I do a lot of reading, research, praying, and reflection. Why? First of all, I'm a nerd. (laughs) I'm a life learner and I enjoy discovering. um, I just enjoy the discovery process and challenging myself. More importantly, I'm a mother. Hubby and I have a vision for our family and I'm doing my part as a mother to train and equip myself so that I can raise my children to be capable, equip adults that go out into the world ready to live honorably for God themselves, our family, and just con- be contributors to society. The topic of God's economy is so layered. I want to lead the application of this topic in a way that you've never considered before, and hopefully um, it encourages you to continue the conversation in your home and with your family. By way of reminder, episode nine was all about consumers versus producers. The language we use in that episode when we talk about consumerism and the mindset of a producer, I can't help but notice how the language we use in these types of discussions are similar to if we were having a conversation on economics. I want to expound on that conversation. Aw, pineapple! And use more of that language as it applies to what, what I've been studying and talking heavily about with, with hubby recently. So consumers versus producers, that was episode nine. Um, it ended with this AC Pearl. We have to stop mindlessly adopting and passing on unfruitful thought processes and behaviors, especially um, the ones we soak up from the culture that could care less about building up strong families. Instead, we have to develop the mindset of getting back to God's design for family and improve the, the quality of our home life, be more of a producer, and sow seeds of intentional and fruitful living. Okay, that was episode nine, Consumers and Producers. Today's episode is all about God's economy. When, when I dive into the Proverbs, passages in Deuteronomy and parts of the Gospels, it reads like it reads like an economics 101 class, but from God's perspective. The difference is the application. If you've ever taken an economics class, it's all about consumerism, production, monetary exchanges, goods, services, uh, interest, and there's 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 some social aspects to that same field of study. 
it transforms when we apply it in the biblical sense from a biblical perspective. I mentioned before that my undergrad was in business finance, so I'm always interested in reading that type of language and applying it to how I, how I read and study my word. Pineapple! Let me propose four concepts to you as it applies to God's economy. The concept of quantify versus qualify, sowing and reaping, wages and earnings, and debt and forgiveness. Quantify versus qualify. Let me preface these concepts by saying that the way God wired me, I have to be able to take what I read in scripture and understand how to apply it in my life. Everyone is different and God has a plan for all of us. The direction God is leading me in and how he's revealing himself and his purpose in my life may be totally different than the next person, but we are all under the same umbrella of God's creation and um, we're just trying to find his will for our lives. It's up to us to take what he's communicated to us through his word and apply it in in our day-to-day experiences and what we're going through. That's how I make God's word tangible in my life. That's how I quantify what, what God's doing uh, for me, in me, through me. Um, I bought my first house when I was 21 years old. I was either an E3 or E4 in the Navy. I was a, a, a single parent. Micaiah was, uh, I believe, maybe three years old at the time. And within a few years of purchasing my first house, I had two paid off vehicles and no debt. Was I bawling out of control? Never. I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> but simply having my needs met and being able to sleep at night in financial freedom was my version of bawling out of control. If I had $5 to my name, but all my bills were paid and my cars paid off and I got gas money or I got gas in the tank, hey, to me, that was bawling out of control. I remember schooling my son as early as three years old, whether he could fully comprehend the words coming out my mouth or not. I would tell him, mommy doesn't know how we have this house, these cars, and we're able to splurge a little and have some family fun. But know this, God is faithful. And I would tell my son, this isn't mommy. And I would just point at the house and it was a lovely house. It was brand new. Uh, point out the cars and everything. And I would just let him know, this is not mommy. It's God. He provides and takes care of us. Those were lessons I taught my son. So he understood God's provision. Sometimes we just can't, we just can't quantify it. Even as a finance major, I can't explain how provisions, opportunities, and random checks come in the mail when we're able, how we're able to go from, you know, earning, uh, like, mm, I'm, I don't want to throw some figures out there. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to spill all my business. <laughs> but the point is, it's, it's, it's grace and it's God's favor. He provides and sustains for us. That's all I know. And I'm happy Micaiah got to be a witness to all of that. He got to see what mommy was teaching him and be a witness to it play out in real time as he got older. To me, that's tangibly, um, that's, that's what God's economy really looks like and how it works. It doesn't always make sense, 
to the carnal mind, but it's true and it's reliable if you just get plugged into God's economy. Okay, sowing and reaping. If we treated our words and actions like seeds that we plant in the ground, what would our harvest look like at the end of the year? As a mommy at home, I view my work at home like like literal seeds. That's how I that's how I envision them, that's how I treat them. When I'm getting my children up for school for a school day, I'm structuring the day to run smoothly, working the homeschool plans and taking taking pauses in the day for those character building moments when they inevitably goof up. Those are seeds that I'm planting. By the end of the day, by the end of the week, the month, the year, I can see the fruits of my labor and the harvest is good. On the contrary, if I'm if I'm sowing seeds of a nagging attitude uh, because the work is hard or I'm just being impatient because, you know, kids, kids take a lot of your energy and, and to keep the school week schedule running smoothly, I have to be on my game. And when I'm not, what that looks like in my house is learning is not fun. The kids take the behavior that I model for them and project it onto each other And overall, the vibe in the home is just not good. Sowing and reaping. Everything we do and say are seeds that are planted in our family garden. I ask myself every year that goes by, usually around my birthday or like maybe Christmas or the new year, what does the field of my life look like? Is it a bunch of weeds, dead things, or a straight up abandoned field? Am I doing my due diligence to plant, water, uproot, prune, nurture, and tend to my family regularly? If the latter is not true, I am completely bothered and unsettled. Wages and earnings. Proverbs 15.6 says, Great wealth is in the house of the righteous, but trouble is in the income of the wicked. When my children act out and misbehave, I let them know, you did everything you needed to do to earn the consequences of your actions. We lay out the consequences of certain actions like what happens when they, uh, when they talk back, when they get mouthy with us, what happens when they, they don't finish their chores or uh, get their schoolwork done in a timely manner. When they straight up refuse to clean up after themselves or choose to pop off at the mouth at me, I simply give them what their actions have earned them, discipline. If they work well with each other, they're listening and doing um, their studies, and Hubby and I use the same language, I, I would tell like my daughters, you earn this. And whatever that reward is that you know I want to bless her with for her, her good behavior. Most of the time, I don't even tell them, I don't tell my children they deserve something like, oh, you deserve to get your butt handed to you or you deserve to watch some television because it's, 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 not a, it's not a matter of what they deserve when it comes to their character and behavior choices. It's, it's what they work for and what they earn. That's the type of language I try to be consistent in using with them. Whether I'm handing out discipline or rewards, I remind them that I'm not I'm not giving them anything. They, these are the wages of what you've, <laughs> what you've been working so hard for. This is what you've earned. 
Proverbs eleven eighteen says, a wicked person earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a true reward. And that's the kind of language we use with our children. We can't talk about the concepts of the concept of wages and earnings without addressing the things that tax us, that tax our relationships. You know, the things that levy against us. Proverbs twenty eight sixteen says, a leader who is a great oppressor lacks understanding, but a person who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. In some translations, great oppressor corresponds to a leader who, who is lacking understanding. He taxes his people. The people take on the burdens of the leader's lack of understanding. Wages and earnings, by extension, taxes. Think about how God's economy on this concept relates to the family unit. God says the wages of sin is death. It's not only speaking to what happens to a person when they die outside of a right relationship with God, but to me, it also speaks to the wages we earn while we're still alive. Think about that. Debt and forgiveness. All right. What is the definition of an offense? What does it mean when you're offended? Did you know that when, when we are offended, we hold a debt against a person that offended us. When someone offends you, rubs you the wrong way, disrespects or, or flat out does you wrong, our flesh, our sin nature wants to hold them accountable. Um, that offense turns into a debt that they owe you. They're in the negative. They're in a hole and they have to dig themselves out of it if they want to get back in good graces. Do you hear the language? A a debt E is owed for what has been done to them. But what does that look like? Um, an apology, repayment of some, some type or, or, or compensation to make the situation right again. Debts are a very tricky and sensitive topic, no matter how small or great. As a wife and mother, that really, that really piques my interest. Really, Mom? Pineapple. I pay particular attention to how debt accumulates and pay out in God's economy. Aw, oh, pineapple. I'm having fun with these pineapples, y'all. <laughs> I'm sure you can tell. In Proverbs eighteen nineteen, it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Simply put, when we get in our feelings, we become great builders. We build walls. We put up fences, blockades. I know I used to block folks with the quickness back in the day until God got a hold of my heart and taught me a better way. He taught me how to communicate and give people the opportunity to correct a wrong before needing to create a healthy distance between myself and um, a potentially harmful or toxic situation. The difference between creating healthy boundaries versus building walls and blockades is the type of access you allow people. You can block them and completely forget about the situation and pretty much pretend like they don't exist anymore. Or a healthy boundary is a filter for foolishness and keeping yourself away from the drama and the toxic 
without necessarily blocking off access. Similar to how the tabernacle is designed in the Bible. You have the outer court, the inner court, or the holy place, and the holy of holies. Hubby and I talk a lot about the tabernacle. Um, I remember teaching our son when he was growing up. It was so much fun. And I just, I can't wait to dive deeper with the, with our daughters. But right now they're still a little young, but we're going to get there. We, we can go to meet people where they are, but we have to be careful not to let certain spirits into our holy place, our place of peace. So holding a debt against someone makes them a slave and you a slave master. You're holding a debt over them. They are no longer your brother or your sister. They have been reduced to a slave in your mind, your heart, and a spirit, and your spirit. You can't get past it. You can't get over it. Um, the relationship is, the, the dynamic has shifted, and it's just, uh, the evidence is in the relationship and how it morphs from open, honest, transparent, and life-giving to passive-aggressive, catty, contentious, distant, cold, and sometimes the walking dead. My daughter the other day was playing with a butterfly. She, she, she'd already suffocated the poor thing and was, she was still trying to play with it. The butterfly was lifeless, but Abigail kept playing like nothing was wrong. I said, honey, it's dead. Let's go bury it. She said, but I want to play with it. I said, no, it's, it's not good to play with dead things. If another butterfly comes along, you just have to make sure you're more careful with it and take care of it. And then, you know, of course we buried it and she was sad, but you know, I taught her very, I hope I taught her a very valuable lesson that number one, pay attention when you got a dead butterfly in your hands. <laughs> and number two, we shouldn't be okay with playing with dead things, you know? So here's an AC Pearl to wrap up the segment. As it pertains to getting back to the basics of raising strong families, remember God's economy on the matter, the concept of quantify versus qualify. God is able to do exceedingly more than we can think or imagine. That's in Ephesians 3.20. When we trust him in the day-to-day, he's faithful to provide. And, and it, sometimes it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense, but we can, it's reliable and we can trust it. Sowing and reaping. As parents, treat your words and care for your children like literal seeds that God put in your life to to plant to water to nurture and will one day produce a harvest one day wages and earnings it's not always a matter of what we deserve sometimes we have to step back and consider what we've earned whether good or bad debt and forgiveness luke 17 1 says that offenses will come you will get rubbed the wrong way and people don't always do right by you. And it's inevitable that offenses will come, but woe to the one through whom the offense comes. Don't be a vessel for hate, for anger, for bitterness and and unforgiveness. Give it to God and release your brother or your sister from the debt of offense. All 
All right, that concludes the conversation for today. I trust the podcast encourages you to continue the conversation in your family circle. Stop by my IG and Facebook page at ACS Visions. Show me some love, share your comments on the episode and how this podcast is encouraging you. You can also visit my website at www.acsvisions.com. You'll find a link to send me an email if you'd like to show your support that way. As a reminder, episodes are published every Thursday. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcasting platform so you get notified the moment a new episode drops. Thank you for listening to the AC Visions Family Talk Podcast. Until next time.